everyone. You're listening to Health Affairs This Week. I'm Leslie Erdelak. And I'm Jessica Bylander. So we're recording on September 30th, which means we're waiting to see what happens as a possible government shutdown looms. So Congress is voting uh, very soon on a short-term spending bill to fund the government through early December before funding expires today at midnight. And we're expecting a continuing resolution to pass, which would effectively prevent a shutdown. But it has been a dramatic week on the Hill, Jess, and I think we all collectively could probably use a moment to catch our breath and talk about something other than the debt ceiling and the infrastructure bill. Um, So I'm excited about what we're going to cover today because actually you and I both kind of gravitated this week to stories about pharmacies. That's right. Today we're talking about what's going on in two very different pharmacy drug markets, one for really expensive drugs and one for deeply discounted medicines available at certain locations like community pharmacies. So these markets represent two really different ends of the spectrum when it comes to accessing and paying for prescription medicines. So we wanted to bring listeners up to speed on what's going on. Leslie, you're up first, and your story involves a major deal that Walgreens just made, right? Yeah. So the parent company of the drugstore chain, Walgreens, just made a major investment to the tune of $970 million. And what they bought essentially was a majority stake in a company called Shields Health Solutions. And Walgreens is set to own now a little bit more than 70% of this company that works with hospitals to set up their own on-site specialty pharmacies. And what are specialty pharmacies exactly? Yeah, that's a great question and a really good place to start. So, of course, you have your retail pharmacies, your Walgreens, your CVS, where you go and get your over-the-counter and many of your prescription medications. But there are also specialty pharmacies, which are a sort of go-to for the medications to treat more complex and chronic illnesses. So... There are a lot of drugs out there now classified as specialty medications, including cancer and HIV drugs, for example. And when you think about all the new kinds of drugs and therapeutics that are coming on the market and those in the pipeline, we've seen kind of a corresponding increase in the number of health systems that have their own integrated specialty pharmacies. Today, around 25% of hospitals in the U.S. have an in-house specialty pharmacy. That's up from 9% from just a few years ago. Oh, wow. That's a huge jump. Do you know what's behind that acceleration? Is it kind of financially motivated? So the, the specialty pharmacy industry itself is pretty lucrative when you think about how expensive specialty drugs are. So a lot of hospitals may be drawn to specialty pharmacies as a way of bringing in more pharmacy business for the hospital and, of course, generating new revenue. But as far as how big those financial benefits can be, that's determined by a couple of things. But the total volume of specialty prescriptions filled by the hospital is a major factor. So, you know, conceivably, you might have doctors encouraging patients to get their medications from the hospital's pharmacy instead of going somewhere else. And the response to the critics who say that, you know, hospitals are just expanding into the specialty pharmacy business just to get a bigger slice of the profits um, is actually that in-house pharmacies really can simplify the patient experience if they don't have to shuffle between multiple settings and providers to get their medications. 
Okay, so Walgreens says it's building on its core pharmacy business by moving into the specialty pharmacy space. What does a company like Shields actually do, and what does that relationship look like? Yeah, so hospitals can hire companies like Shields to help with launching and operating a specialty pharmacy. The hospitals own the pharmacies, but these private companies earn a share of the profits for their services. And in this case, Shields would take about a 25 or 30% cut. And Walgreens has the option to buy the rest of the company in about two years. So you have to imagine they'll be taking a close look at how this model evolves. Shields is currently bringing in about $2 billion in revenue annually. And you can almost guarantee that with the Walgreens investment, Shields is going to be looking at ways to expand its services in the specialty pharmacy business. Um, They've already sort of touted some successes related to cost savings and patient outcomes. So as I said, I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of reach and what kind of influence they have backed, of course, by a major investor like Walgreens. So, yeah, I've been talking a lot about expensive drugs, but I know the story you picked out, Jess, is kind of on the other end of the spectrum. It's about discounted drugs being sold to low-income patients in certain pharmacies, and there's been a little bit of a dust-up, so I hear. So um, what's happening with that? Sure. Um, So first, what we're talking about now is the 340B drug pricing program, and that requires drug makers that participate in Medicaid and Medicare Part B to sell outpatient drugs at really deeply discounted prices to healthcare organizations that care for a lot of uninsured and low-income patients. Um, And the discounts on average range from 25% to even half of the typical cost for these drugs. And they're upfront discounts versus, you know, rebates that are kind of Um, taken after the fact, which is how the Medicaid program gets its rebates. So the program's been around since 1992, and it's not a huge program, but it's actually now estimated at 8% of the value of the total U.S. drug market. So it's a growing share. Um, And it's been seen as a really important way to stretch government dollars further and ensure low-income patients have access to their medications. And a little bit more background, the entities covered under this program are different kinds of hospitals and health centers that cater to low-income patients, and they can sell the outpatient drugs themselves, or they can contract with a third-party pharmacy, including something like Walgreens or CVS, to dispense the drugs. And that's, that's kind of where the current, the current scandal is, is arising. So you said this program has been around since the 90s, right? So... So what went wrong? What's what's going wrong? Well, yeah, in 2020, several drug makers reportedly stopped offering or started restricting their 340B pricing for drugs dispensed at those contract pharmacies versus dispensed directly by the, um, the covered entities. And they actually filed lawsuits against the Department of Health and Human Services. They're saying that HHS doesn't have the authority to require them to sell these discounted drugs to the contract pharmacies. Um, But the government's countered back and they told six leading pharmaceutical makers basically like get in compliance. Um, These were AstraZeneca, Lilly, Novartis, Novo Nordisk, Sanofi, and United Therapeutics. So there's been some earlier discussions. And then last week, the government sent letters to the companies saying they haven't complied yet. They're not selling the discounted drugs to the contract pharmacies. And the matter is being referred to the HHS Office of the Inspector General. So, you know, things are getting serious. Yeah. Um, It found at fault for overcharging um, 
those covered entities or their contract pharmacies, the companies could face fines up to $5,000 per violation. And I'm curious if you know, too, um, you know, what are drug makers saying is their reasoning behind not wanting to sell these drugs to contract pharmacies? Yeah, they've, they have spoken kind of about the shortcomings of the program. And for one, they're saying the 340B program no longer resembles its original mission. And there's not much evidence that patients are always benefiting from it versus you know, large hospital systems for profit pharmacies and other middlemen, as they call it, that they're saying kind of those, those entities are benefiting more and kind of um, profiting from the program versus patients. And they're also concerned that when drugs are dispensed by a third-party pharmacy, um, there may be sort of like double discounts, for instance, receiving a, the 340B price and a Medicaid rebate, which is um, against the policy and, and not in line with the policy. And Leslie, it occurs to us our stories really do dovetail nicely, in addition to both being about pharmacies, um, because while over 27,000 distinct pharmacies participate in the 340B program today, um, Walgreens is actually a major player in terms of um, kind of the retail pharmacies that are profiting from 340B. So a lot going on. On one hand, hospitals and others are advocating for 340B compliance and they were really pleased when the HHS came out with the letters to, to drug makers, asking them to get in compliance. And the drug industry, on the other hand, would favor just another way to get discounted drugs to low-income patients. So we'll see who wins out, I guess. Yeah, definitely worth keeping an eye on. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Leslie. I enjoyed our conversation today. Listeners, if you liked this episode, tell a friend and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Great. We'll be back next week. See ya.